Welcome to the Most Interesting People in Higher Education. I'm Lee Bradshaw, and this is a Noodle Production. I've spent my entire career collaborating with some of the most influential campus leaders. Together, we've transformed higher ed. In this series, I'll take you on never-heard-before journeys from the narrative arcs of the people evolving some of the most respected institutions in the world. You'll get an insider perspective from the mission-driven administrators, influential professors, devoted researchers, and others that are part of the highly interesting cadre of people transforming higher ed. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, listeners, to yet another edition of the most interesting people in higher education. For this episode, we went right to the top of the mountain, the place everyone wants to be, the Wharton School of Business. Our guest is Levent Yarar, the Senior Director of Strategic Partnerships for Wharton Interactive. When we recorded the episode, Levent was the Director of Partnerships for the Exec Ed School at Wharton, but the sentiment and the conversation on adult learning online remains the same. Levent has worked in all sorts of industries all over the world and now brings his perspective to Penn. Early on in the episode, Levent discusses his role at Wharton and what he thinks executive education should be trying to accomplish. I think at the end of the day, we need really good leaders to run and manage businesses. I then got Levent talking about his prior business experiences, which range from the fashion industry to mining. He had some awesome insight into ways in which all businesses are actually quite similar. Let me tell you one secret about business. They're not, they're not different. Hmm. What industry, what sector, the problems are same. Levent and I then get into where executive education should innovate moving forward. Also, what comes next in this realm and how it can help worldwide learners. Somebody in Asia can now get any kind of Ivy school education, any kind of American college, university education with a click of a mouse. This was not, this was supposed to happen, but I don't think this fast. Thank you to Levent for taking the time to come and chat with me. I say this every time on every episode, but I'm so excited for everyone to get to hear this interview. Levent truly has some unique perspectives and I learned so much from him. And thank you all of you for continuing to listen and tune into the podcast. If you enjoy our show, please subscribe, rate and review us and share us with your friends and colleagues. Now let's get on to the interview. Welcome back to the most interesting people in higher ed. We are in the double digits of episodes now. Today, I have Levent Yarar, uh, who is joining me uh, live on Zoom. Uh, he's the Director of Corporate Partnerships at Wharton Executive Education at the University of Pennsylvania. I am pleased to have him here. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about management. We're going to talk about transition, transformation of executive education online. Levent, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lee. Uh, good to be here and look forward to a nice chat. With I, uh, I love a good chat. And that's, uh, that's what this is. We were, Levent and I were talking before this, and I, I kind of compared the way these episodes go to jazz. Well, we'll start out with some structure, and then we'll just get into it and have some fun. I'd love to hear, I mean, what does a, what does a director of corporate partnerships do? Like, we'll start with the, uh, the basic stuff, and then we'll go from yeah. there. <laughs> it's a good question. Sometimes I wonder what that does that do to me as well. Well, I, I see my job a little different than what I was told to do just to be honest, just to be on the record. I see myself as a problem solver. I know in a Wharton executive education or wherever I do this, I, I look at the problem. 
I mean, you, you come to me or someone comes to me and says, we want to develop our leaders. My question has always been, why? If you don't ask the question, the why question, it's really hard to really understand why we're developing these leaders. And I, I usually use the word leaders replaced with executives because I think at the end of the day, we need really good leaders to run and manage businesses. So that's why I always start with a why. So double why's in one sentence. So we once I figure out uh, the problem, I think it's easier to start providing solutions. So I see myself as someone who helps enterprises as well as leaders to find solution their problems could be anything and i'm i think i do a good job after all these years <laughs> learned how to do this pretty well not just in the us but as as you can imagine based on my background globally as well how many years have you been doing this i mean to get to a place like wharton to run <laughs> partnerships means you've been you have some success. What, how many years is that? Is that too? Is that too big of a question? <laughs> too uh, early on? Well, I, I no, but I'm giving away my age. But that's oh, that's, okay. that's, I guess that's what I, I guess that's what I meant. I I even in the in the re question, I was like, is it too big? I didn't want to say like too too uh, too personal. <laughs> See, the 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 thing is with um, what I do is I build experiences over the many years that I worked, and not in higher education only. Uh, as well as in, in other industries. I worked in uh, fashion industry. I worked in, believe it or not, mining industry. I worked at, but what I learned at the end of those experiences, as you can see, I'm not giving away my age. Yeah, it's good. This, I, is, I, <laughs> this is the level of KG that I think is appropriate. <laughs> so, and also I, I was, I became a, a, a advisor slash consultant for UNDP's International Trade Center. Regardless of where I am, the experience brought me to Wharton, where I used all my knowledge. Uh, the short answer to your question is, after I finished my college, the education and training started in 1982. So it's been 40 years, give and take. That's where I am. Uh, it's been four years with Wharton, of course, Wharton is a school even for me, where I learned more and put it on top of what I learned already. So give and take 35, 40 years, Lee. And since I put you in the hot seat, I'm going to put myself there. I'm not going to share the exact year that I was born. <laughs> yes, I, I can. There's I kind of no. <laughs> there's an expression that people say to other people about doing things before they were even something. Yes. And uh, they, yes, yes, we'll I just, know what you. I know leave where that you're getting there. It. I know um, where you're going there. So, so fashion and mining. Let's just go back to that for a second. Let's have some fun with it. Like, <laughs> what similarities are there between fashion and mining? Like, I, I can't think of two different things. Uh, and the only connection I have to mining is I knew a I knew somebody who sold the wheels to all the mining equipment, uh, all the trucks. And that's, that's me. No, I'm just joking. Okay. I was like, <laughs> then you, you know, my friend. All right. So fashion and mining, like seriously, what, how do they connect? If, yeah, if at all, you know what, let me tell you one secret about business. They're no, they're not different. Hmm. What industry, what sector, the problems are same. And usually the problems are human problems, not business problems. There is no business problem. Everything we make 
the decisions we make are based on humans, not, not walls, not computers. So in either case, in both cases, what I, my job, my task was to find market in a different way. In, in the market, in the fashion where I was stationed, in both cases, I was stationed in the United States. My goal was to find companies who would like to use a, a, a very good textile basis in Turkey. And I work with companies in the United States for that. In the mining one, it was similar. There were foundries in Turkey who are similar, but not same, undercarriage. These are the things that the uh, sprockets and idlers yep. were. Yep. The big machines, like 400-pound machines, walk on. We, my job was to find mines for that. So on the <laughs> same thing, different products. And in both cases, believe it or not, Lee, I figured out a way to go against big competition by finding what are they missing and that we can offer them. So it's about whether providing them a service that the what we call the OEMs are not producing mm -hmm. or providing, or how fast, how quick we can deliver products. So whether it's mining or fashion, I tackled the same question and was able to provide a value uh, to both organizations or hmm. uh, that I was. So believe it or not, regardless of where you go, which sectors you talk to, or you know, the problems are same. And the value proposition you're bringing is going to be similar. So. I, all those experiences, of course, I mean, I, I, as you can imagine, I accumulated quite a few experiences, different stories, globally, locally in the United States. And that's what made me who I am today. I love that. I also love that you uh, you stuck to your guns on the, the humans part, right? That's That ties into leadership. Correct. Uh, when you think of, no one, I think when you think of executive, you think of executive pay, executive lounge, executive golf. When you think of leaders, you think of humans around them. And so like, I, I'm with you. All right. And I'm, I'm a believer. Background in consulting and all things business, all things, all things human. How does that translate into executive education? And I think for, for a second, I get a lot of questions when we talk about executive education professionally uh, in, in my role. And people, a lot of people don't know the difference between continuing ed, executive ed, or just education or lifelong learning. And so like maybe creating a little bit of construct around executive education as we get into this, not to, not to slow you down. I know your head was probably no, no. further, further no. ahead, but, uh, no, you know, no. for the listener's sake. That's a, that, that, that's a great question, actually. First of all, I think I will put everything on the lifelong learning. So there's this umbrella, which we call lifelong learning. And that okay. lifelong learning should be applicable to anyone, leaders, executives, managers, frontline workers, regardless of who we're talking to, that, that's the bigger umbrella, especially in today's world, as you saw what's happening right now. So uh, executive education started many, many years ago to train these white collars mm -hmm. uh, at these prestigious schools where they can learn about their leadership styles, improve on them and whatnot. But if you ask me in today's world, maybe the term executive leadership, uh, executive education, sorry, should change a little bit. I think today we do not, the profile is changing, okay? 
what we're when we're training, I see younger and younger leaders coming through the pipeline, and that's why the term executive education I think needs to be, in my opinion, personal humble opinion, reasonably rephased and or rechanged, or maybe use lifelong learning more in executive education. And I believe we're no longer talking about leadership, but I think we're also talking about skills building right now. So that is going to be another area. Where do you put skills building? Okay. Like under executive education, either lifelong learning. I think we should start this journey from K, mm. kindergarten, yeah. and go all the way to until you die. I mean, this is how I see the new paradigm uh, where you build your skills. So I, I'm a little bit deviating from the current executive education terminology, but I believe that that's the future. I mean, I don't know if that's the answer you wanted to hear, but for me, lifelong learning should replace all the terms that we're using right now. Yeah, no, it does. And it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't have something to say about the naming of it. Um, so I think you call it, use some alliteration, it's called K to the grave. Um, yes. Uh, and then I have one more for you and then we'll get back to the serious stuff. <laughs> uh, it, I, I, I once heard an interview with a founder of Lululemon who called it Lululemon because multiple L's in a row is easier to remember for human <laughs> brains. And so you would have lifelong leader learning. So, and that's <laughs> rather than executive education, maybe that's where we're up. Okay. So I'll, I'll get back to serious though. No, actually, so I like that. Can we use that from now on? Lifelong leadership development, lifelong leader learning. We K can do to, it all. K to grave. Yeah. Hey, K to grave. Like K to grave. It's a good, it, it rhymes. All right. Hopefully someone hears this and, and <laughs> runs with it and we can claim, uh, oh. we can claim Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> or we do it, right. Okay. Um, but back to, back to the serious. This is serious stuff, right? You're talking about the way the world learns throughout their entire lifetime and the role that higher ed has in that. Because as I understand it, traditionally executive ed programs at business schools where it's all part of higher ed. But do you think of business schools as, as mostly not K to grave, but mostly, I don't know, 18 to 40, 18 to 50, depending on the engagement years old. How do you expand that? How do you, how do you pull them forward and draw them out further into the lifelong learning space? Well, I think executive education and to a degree, other universities are naming their centers, lifelong learning centers. I think there's definitely a, a movement towards that. But like in, I, I mean, I don't want to name drop here, but like at Wharton, we have a, a summer youth school. High schoolers come to Wharton. I mean, I, I mean maybe the initial idea was to bring them to undergraduate or graduate or right. PhD, but I believe today's world, that's a different objective for me. I think bringing them and giving them that Wharton education is part of the lifelong learning that I see right now. And that should be a model replicated mm. with the higher education. I think that that's where we're going to start. I don't, I'm not envisioning Wharton bringing K kindergartens yet, yeah. But maybe we have to. I mean, and, and that yeah. should be part of the mission of any higher education. How do you have this continuous education? So I, I see that transformation. I mean, I recently spoke to another university. They're trying to create a lifelong 
learning center and they want to start with high school kids. So the, you see that there is a transformation happening all over. Right. And this is not an Ivy school or anything by any means, but it's a good school. And they see the value of bringing them earlier. And I, I, my, I'm in the belief that the, the higher education is being disrupted right now. I mean, it's obvious because the degree programs are going to be, if you ask me, <laughs> going to be challenged uh, because yeah. the skill gap is out there. And I don't think we can answer the skill gap with the current degree programs. So because of that, the higher education needs to reinvent themselves. So I went a little bit astray no, here, no, but that's, I think- uh... That that, that that I believe needs to be addressed as well. But I know a lot of universities are trying to change that model. Yeah, the the dearth is amongst us. The the cliff is here, and uh, I don't know. I you know I you know I sit on the periphery of all of this. Um, but I know we're all in this together at this point, yep. right? We got it. Yep. And then it, it's not just fixing the problems, but forecasting on where this thing is going is uh, exactly. It's on everybody's mind. So how do you think about I, I think I read somewhere you wrote about omni-channel executive education and thinking about this more of a blend of synchronous yes. and asynchronous online. Yeah. Like, so of course I'm going to go there. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but like, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on the current deliveries? What are your, what are your predictions? I know it's a, yeah. sometimes a too big of a word and sometimes not where people want to go is predicting, but like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? What do you, Listen. what are you paying attention to? I, I, I know we lost a lot of people because of the pandemic globally, but if anything came good out of this, it's how education has changed and is still changing to this state. I'm a firm believer that to democratize education, we need to scale. And the scale, by scale, I mean giving good education globally providing that service globally to everyone and anyone that could access internet. So my belief is that I definitely believe the future is hybrid and there is going to be times where you might have to get together, but I been using in my own learning solutions, simulations delivered virtually. I mean, we are seeing more and more AV technology <laughs> where simulations or um, even the sessions virtually are being delivered. This is the future. I mean, I, what they're saying is, which I believe so, we achieved about five years digital transformation in a span of two years. Mm. And it's going to accelerate from here on. Yeah. I don't see we're going back anywhere. No, it's going to keep I, going. I, yeah, and I hear a lot of people saying, oh, the in-person is going to come back. You know what? Tell that to the CEO who's saving a lot of money by <laughs> travel expense and still getting the results that they're getting. The, the, the worms is out of the cat and good luck. Yeah, and, and, and that CEO also sees that there's four people in her office at the, uh, at the office they're spending enough on per year at the same time right it's uh it's it's impacting a lot of decisions yeah. at every level right yeah i mean 67 percent 
this was, uh, I think, uh, McKinsey. Uh, I, I'm not 100%. I read it somewhere. Mm. 67% of the CEOs said they will not travel. They will use that time with their family, do everything through virtual end of conversation. If they're deciding on that, anybody under their organization <laughs> has to do the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, but that's not, a, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to put this as a top-down approach. I'm, talk, uh, I'm talking bottom up. A lot of people are now feeling good about reaching to these unbelievable resources. And it's, it happened in the last two years. <laughs> yeah. uh, somebody in Asia can now get any kind of Ivy school education, any kind of American college, university education with a click of a mouse. This was not, this was supposed to happen, but I don't think this fast. So help me understand something. You're, you've been, for a certain amount of years, you've been at this uh, in business and education, and you've embraced it. Like a lot of folks in, in every industry have, have not. Why are you interested in it? Why are you embracing rather than uh, pushing away? Like what, I know that's probably an easy answer to think about in your own, uh, you know, subjective mind, but like, what are you seeing that makes you adapt? and embrace rather than push back? Like what, what's going on around you? Okay, I think I should go back to my childhood. <laughs> Joke aside, but it's kind of true. I got a wonderful education in, in a country like Turkey in the 1970s with a great university faculty that graduated, had their PhD from United States, Cornell's, Yale's, Chapel Hill, you know, UNCs. And I always believed that that made me, and that university was Middle East Technical University. And I believe that education brought me all the way up here. So I was one of the lucky ones. And don't, I mean, and in Turkey, we didn't have to pay for this. I think that value brought me to today where I'm saying from day one, we need to democratize education. Look, if you want to have a society who can critically think, judge, <laughs> you need to have education. And that education should be equally available to anyone and everyone. Yes. Somebody can pay for it. Someone can sponsor it, but it should be available. And I think I was always thinking that way, where I said, look, don't get me wrong, Wharton Executive Education is wonderful, faculty is wonderful, but let's not forget, they were one of the first UPAC doing Coursera. So they already had the idea of giving this to the masses. Mm. And so what I'm saying is not like revolutionary, but it's more evolutionary right now where we are going to go into this. That's what my passion is. So that people can learn, understand, look, a lot of the problems, I don't want to go into politics, but is because we lack critical thinking. And only education, good education can bring that critical thinking capability. And that's why I'm very passionate to be able to, I was very open from day one having uh, virtual sessions and whatnot. And all my proposals mm. had some sort of a virtual live asynchronous synchronous so that we can A, lower the cost, B, scale it to everyone, and C, be able to bring them together again so that 
they share what they learned and tell us how they apply what they learned. So it's my passion more than anything else because I had a good education and I want to give back good education to everyone that can access to it. Yeah, I mean, just uh, as you were thinking through this, and I appreciate such a thoughtful answer and such a personal one. And now the episodes I've done, I realized, and sometimes I push more in the personal direction, and sometimes it's an open question. People go there on their own, but so much of lifelong learning and where we are each as individuals at each moment, if you ask any question, it's often, well, let me go back to when I was six. Uh, like, and, and so like, it's, it's, it's innate that we would, that we would think that way, that we would, you would consider that this whole, this, this arc that each person is on. And so to, to, to chop that up into pre-K, K, K through 12, or K through 12, you know, like, it's not how we are. Like, it's, it's, it's one long experience. And, exactly. um, you know, it's, uh, it's more beautiful than that, uh, than chopping it up. And so I think that's kind I, of I agree. I wish there was a way to do this uh, continuously. And that's why I think higher education should play a more mm. vital role from high school onwards, at least, all the way to top leadership. I mean, why not? Right. And I think that might sound crazy, but five years ago, having some ed tech companies providing university yeah. type education yeah. was unheard either. So why not? We're breaking up the model. Maybe you just do like frontal lobe developing. And then at 25, like the rental car companies do, you do post, post frontal lobe development. Like maybe we'll just split it up in some other new model. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't know if you heard I, the episode I had Shaveen Yeltekin on and um, she, I bring it up, she's Turkish as well. And uh, she was, her fascination with economics was when she saw the price of, of produce changing in real time, day by day. She's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's the same product. And she was, I think, six or seven years old. So yeah, it's um. Well, well, I was in Turkey, Turkey last last week. So oh, and so how was how was traveling over there? You, that's it's been that's a, a far trip. I, I don't want to I don't want to go into the details of how you can travel with double masks and stuff yeah. like. But yeah. to her point, right now Turkey is going to a super inflation period. Her problem that she saw the problem that she saw as a six seven year old is again, came back, unfortunately. And again, I look at the reasoning and it's education. We don't have right. enough people running the, again, it's not political, running the country with the right educational background, right, critical thinking capability. Anyhow, but I, I understand her point. Yeah, ready for a curveball? Yeah, always. Uh, uh, I'm not I, a baseball player, but I'll. <laughs> I it's been some time since I've thrown a baseball, but in question format of that, uh, I I read a note from our my producer that said he might have a a doodle, uh, meaning like a a dog that uh, is mixed with a poodle. Is that true or false? And I, depending on your answer, I'll share the breed of mine. Okay, <laughs> so true and false. True, I have a dog. False, it's not a doodle. Okay. It's 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 an Italian water dog, uh, and it's a, what they call Lagato Manola. Uh, it's actually basically in Italian means the lakes of Ramanola region. But what happened? This is a 16th century breed, by the way. It's a very old breed, and still, like, do you remember Obama's war, war yeah. Portuguese? He, water? That was Portuguese, so, right? Yeah. Yeah, but so 
they are descendants of uh, the um, Italian water dogs. So this the is the OG, the OG yes. of water dogs. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. What else can I get? So joke aside, <laughs> the borders, uh, the lakes dried in the Romanola region. Yeah. And these were working dogs. Of course, they decided to put them into another kind of work. Guess what? They're truffle hunters. So, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking around in Philadelphia, the streets of Philadelphia. We couldn't find any truffles yet, but I'm very hopeful. Uh, okay. I was like, I was following you because I was like, this, this is a, everything you said was very, very historically accurate. And then the, I, I, was like, I was like, is he really going around Philadelphia looking for truffles? No, the joke is that, you know, we've been trying to find truffles in Philadelphia. There are only certain regions in the United States, Virginia, North Carolina, and Washington, you know, the West Coast, that has truffles. And the, there are truffle clubs there where you have uh, legatos. Uh, otherwise, uh, no luck unless you go to. Thank you for teaching me that. I grew up my whole life in Virginia and didn't know we could grow truffles. I missed that opportunity. We'll have to <laughs> get back down to that climate. Um, so what's your but, breed? Uh, I have an, uh, yeah, I have an Aussie doodle. Oh, um, that, uh, yeah, I think I know. He's a, I'll, I'll send you a picture. He's a, he's very fluffy. He likes to cuddle. He, I grew up with black labs in Virginia and now I live in New York with my Aussie doodle. It's, it's, it's a, it's been a different world, but I, I love him. His name's Bear and your, your dog's name's name is? Babo, which basically means father in Italian. However, the reason why we use Babo is because we lived in Istanbul when I was uh, working in Istanbul at the uh, Istanbul League University Executive Education Center. I was the uh, managing director there. There was an Italian pizza place called Babo, wood oven and everything. So we really loved that place. So we decided to name him Babo. Actually, funny story. Do you want me to add one more layer to this I, whole thing? Please. Who says no to a funny story, please? <laughs> so I named my dog, our dog, I should say my wife is in the other room. Hopefully she doesn't hear this, uh, Cicero. Okay. Like the philosopher Cicero. Yeah. So we said, okay, Cicero, we both tags and everything. We went to the breather. Breather said, no. She said, he said, it has to be two syllables. Two syllables. Yep. That's the only thing they remembered. Three syllables, no good. So he has a name tag, says Cicero, but his name is Baba. So. Oh, so you still, you kept the name tag. You're like, you didn't, you didn't totally abort. That's good. <laughs> so. uh, I, uh, this is, this is just a fact. I don't have a funny story to tell you back, but we, in New York, I live a few blocks from Babo, the restaurant. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is a very good Italian restaurant. And I had no idea that it meant father in Italian, um, which to my mother's chagrin, who's part Italian, I should know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got it all covered. Don't all make right. sure, make sure she doesn't listen to this podcast. Mom, if you're listening, which I think you usually do listen to them. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> So we, we've covered a lot, a lot about you, a lot about lifelong learning, a lot about exec ed. I have just one more question, which I, I usually end these, end these shows with is like, what's the, uh, what's the one thing you want folks to leave knowing um, about you or, or about the world that, that, you know, just, you got one, you got one swing and we can cut out long pauses. So if you're, <laughs> if, you, if you need, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I know what I want. A, a I want to be a global citizen where mm. I can, my passion to share education to everyone can be fulfilled. And uh, 
I'm working towards that goal as much as I can. I think that's my parting as a lifelong learner. By the way, I, I'm a lifelong learner myself. I just recently, uh, six months ago, I finished AI for business online. I mean, uh, because not that I'm going to be a data analyst or, you know, the data mediator, but I wanted to learn. So I wanted to understand what AI stands for, really, what ML stands for, really. So I want to be able to do the same thing for everyone else, even if they don't use it. So that's my parting words. I love it. Stay curious. I, All right. Absolutely. Levan, thank you so much for joining. Um, we are now delving into executive education on this show, and I'll, I'll have to go down more of this uh, with guests. So I appreciate you kicking it off with us and setting us down a good path. Uh, and thanks for everything. We'll have you back on. We'll catch back up. The road is long, my friend. Likewise. Thank you very much, Lee. This was fun. And this is a wonderful thing that you're doing for us and look forward to reconnecting. Absolutely. Thanks, Levent. I'll see you. And that's our show. Thank you for listening to the most interesting people in higher education. This listening experience is brought to you by Noodle, the network of online higher education programs. Our mission is to lower the cost of higher ed through a pursuit of excellence in online learning. And make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. See you next time.